I don't believe in the concept of work and then life balance. I think it's really work-life integration. Our worlds now have collided. You can be on a 24-hour cycle if you let yourself. So boundary making is, is very critical. But the earlier you figure out what your boundaries are, the easier it would be for you to make an assessment as to what makes you happy, what brings you satisfaction and, and joy in, in your career as well as your personal life. Welcome to Lifting Up, Lessons from Verizon Women Leaders. I'm Sally Hubbard. In each episode of this special series, we celebrate a Verizon role model. We hear their success stories and glean wisdom from the ups, downs, and detours of their journey. By amplifying diverse voices, we learn the unique superpowers that each one of us brings to the table. Today, I'm here with Michelle Ifill. She's the Senior Vice President and General Counsel for Verizon's Corporate Services Group and the Information Technology Organization, responsible for primary legal oversight and support of IT and the Chief Administrative Office, including supply chain services, sourcing, real estate, and fleet management. Congratulations, Michelle. You are killing it. Um, I try to. Yes, I do. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I want to hear all about what your current role at Verizon involves. Well, the Chief Administration Office is very full of the infrastructure with respect to Verizon. So when I have my role of helping with negotiations in real estate, also handling our vendors, our suppliers, as well as supply chain management. And then there are some areas of intellectual property that my group is responsible for, as well as some of financial services. So it's a broad uh, group of clients and a broad group of issues that we address. That is a, a broad range of responsibilities. Could you talk a little bit about how you got where you are? How long have you had this current position? Well, this current position is about three years. And prior to that, I was actually the general counsel of VES, which is Verizon Enterprise Solutions. Uh, VES is the organization, the business unit that was responsible for all of our global sales, whether it's the mom and pop shop all the way through to the Fortune 15 companies. So that's B2B services. So I was in that role for about three years. And then prior to that, I was uh, responsible for global support of our contracting process. So that was a, a good four or five years I was in that role also. And now you said you recently celebrated your 25th anniversary here at Verizon. Could you talk a little bit about your journey from, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of roles between yes. <laughs> in those 25 years. Yes. I mean, interestingly enough, I, I started my career working in private practice. So I was in two law firms right out of school. But then I made a decision pretty early in my career that the law firm approach was not going to be one that I wanted to stick with. And so... Um, Pretty much within six weeks of making the decision that I wanted to make a move, I was lucky enough to have a headhunter call me, and I had my first in-house position at MCI, which is a predecessor, obviously, company to Verizon. And at the time, they were hiring lawyers to negotiate contracts because of detariffing, which lawyers will understand what I, what I mean around that. But I didn't really have any experience with respect to regulatory issues. I had nothing in telecom, uh, just a bit on technology. 
but I thought that it was going to be a good fit for me, and I ended up starting with MCI. And I pretty much moved up during the course of, the say, the next 10 years, taking on management roles, doing some responsibility with respect to some of our global contracts. I also had a bit of regulatory background then, and it continued to just move up through the organization because of um, making sure that I looked at my clients as my business partners. And so when the business sees that you really understand what the issues are that they are trying to address and that you don't only have your legal hat on, then you're able to uh, make a fair amount of change and be viewed as someone who is a trusted advisor. So I would say that that's how I I moved up within the organization. And as you know, uh, between the various mergers and acquisitions that we've had over the past 25 years, I don't really feel that my job has been the same job for 25 years. People ask me, well, you know, that's such a long time. You know, how have you been able to either withstand it or stand it because of uh, the idea of these days, Young people really do not stay in positions for any longer than two, three, four years. And so I honestly feel that I've had a new job every 18 months because of all the changes in the industry, as well as all the changes that we've had internally to make sure that we stay abreast of what it is that our our customers are looking for. And when you look back on your career, are there any particular highlights or proud moments that stand out for you? Well, I would say if I went way back when we were in the process of integrating both sort of the cultures and the processes of MCI and Verizon, I was very engaged in making sure that we were focused on what it was that our two separate customer bases were looking for. I spent a lot of time integrating the contracting processes, uh, which, again, as they were different uh, systems, there were different theories and perspectives on how to negotiate. I spent a lot of time doing that. I was very proud at the way it evolved in a way that was that did not detract from both companies' views and perspectives with regard to negotiations. And that was 12 years ago. I'll also add that more recently, I've been spending a lot of time with women, right? Spending a lot of time bringing up future leaders. And I've started a uh, group called uh, Women of Excellence Network, similar to a lot of the things that we do uh, within WAVE here, which is you know, one of our ERGs uh, at Verizon. But the concept is we have a cross-section of women who are in the legal industry, but not all practicing lawyers. So we have our recruiters, we have people who give coaching advice, we also have you know, partners, junior associates, and obviously in-house, you know, mid-level as well as senior. And the concept there is that women tend not to take the time that's necessary to build not only the personal relationships, but the relationships that also can be convert it into business relationships. And that's what I've been seeing over the past, I would say, four or five years. And so I took it upon myself to say, let's figure out a way to get a cohort of women who will not only spend time talking about you know, daycare or figuring out you know, how do you get your vacation time and uh, have the, the social type of conversations, but also how can we develop each other and sort of bridge that gap that we have as women with regard to our professional development. 
That's very exciting. And how do you keep that group going? Because I know one of the problems with why women, like you said, don't spend the time building their relationships is that we're often just so kind of overwhelmed with all the responsibilities we have in our professional life, bearing a greater burden of the responsibilities at home, often having to prepare more for things. Uh, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently is the preparation gap between men and women and that you see that women will prepare a lot more for something like a presentation or something because they kind of know they have to, right, in order for it to be well received. And so this leaves a major time crunch. So how do you keep this network going and how do you get the women to... Um, Dedicate the time. That's actually a very perfect question because it is a challenge. And and the way in which I try to promote it is to make sure that everyone has a role and not all the time. We can't be all things all the time. That's something that I learned early in my career, but probably not early enough. So we, we can say yes. But we can't say yes to everything. And so what we do is we have quarterly meetings, and then we have a small subgroup that would be responsible for making sure that we have the agenda, making sure that we know if we're having a guest speaker, somebody else is responsible for making sure that that's a success. So having that rotation allows everyone to have a seat at the table, has everyone, allows everyone to have the ability to engage and to offer of, you know, herself. And that also keeps you close. It also keeps you energized and interested in what it is we're trying to do for, for one another. And you just said that you can't say yes to everything. How do you decide what things you say yes to? That's something that um, I continue to evolve with. And I don't know whether I'll ever get to the apex of how to make those decisions. But I tend to spend time focusing these days on what I believe will, A, bring me joy. And if it's not bringing me joy, that's going to bring joy to someone else. So that's how I prioritize. And, and I spend a lot of time speaking to you know, newer women to the profession and not necessarily even just attorneys on the importance of prioritization because that is one of the challenges that we have in the concept of feeling overwhelmed. And interestingly enough, I just read an article maybe you know, two, uh, two weeks ago, very recently, that we should not use the word overwhelmed anymore, especially women, because frankly we are, but the idea is if we spend more time thinking and being critical about what it is we're willing to take on, then we will have that space and have that time to feel that you're giving your all to the X number of items that you have on your list and in your world as a priority. Sometimes it takes taking the time to prioritize, right? Like pausing and prioritizing. Otherwise, you're just racing through your list and you're doing things that you don't actually need to be doing that someone else could be doing or that are maybe not going to bring you joy. Yeah, I think the whole concept of delegation is extremely important. And I oftentimes I find that if you have that triple A personality, which a lot of successful or whatever definition is of success, by the way, um, women, whatever field that you're in, or even if you're an at-home mom, the concept is that you need to, everything can't be a crisis. Everything should not be weighted the same, but it's important to take that time out to make some decisions as to, you know, where is it that you're going to spend your focus? And, and it's not always easy to do. And it also, there's 
conflicting priorities at times. And Monday, you may think that this is the avenue you're, you should be going down. And the, by Monday afternoon or the following Tuesday, that's no longer a priority and you need to you need to shift. And I think the ability of being flexible and the ability to be able to be malleable to a certain extent. And that's one of the, I would say, one of the criteria that's really important if you are trying to move up in your career or in your life. You have to really be much more flexible and resilient than people really actually recognize. I really love this idea of using joy as the barometer for prioritization. I've heard other people using purpose as the barometer. But I've talked a lot about joy because that was something that I found in my Women Killing It podcast was that the most successful women were those who tapped into their joy and did something that related to their joy for their career, yes. which I wasn't expecting to find that lesson, mm, right? Because that kind of goes yes. out against what it we're does told. Yes, yes. It, and, it, and I also think it's somewhat of a new concept. I and mean, I don't remember talking about doing or focusing my time or, or my energy on things that bring me joy. I, and I also believe that's something that evolves because earlier in my career, I don't think I had time to really focus on things that brought me joy. And I also tell uh, young people coming up that you don't have to love every moment of every day of what you're doing at work or at home. I don't believe in the concept of work and then life balance. I think it's really work-life integration. I think our our worlds now have collided and you have you can be on a 24-hour cycle if you let yourself. So boundary making is, is very critical. But the earlier you figure out what your boundaries are, then the easier it would will be for you to make an assessment as to what makes you happy, what makes you know, what brings you satisfaction and, and joy in, in your career as well as your personal life. It's very easy to lose track of what brings you joy or to not even know. And that's something that I found women don't even know because they've spent so much time pleasing their boss, pleasing their spouse, pleasing their children, please, you know, pleasing everyone mm-hmm. else. And mm-hmm. then you ask them what brings you joy and they don't know. Yes, yes. That, that, no, I, and, I, and I think that's absolutely accurate because we always put ourselves last. And I, I do believe that's changing, though. I'm, I, when I have conversations with uh, some of the that next generation coming up, maybe it's because they're you know hearing podcasts and they're reading and they're being more focused externally on getting advice and counsel that years ago we just really weren't doing. Coaching is you know, usually important where, where this is concerned. And I do believe that that concept of always putting yourself last has definitely evolved. Well, you have a very big job and you have a family and you've managed to prioritize your joy. So that should be inspiration for everyone else that it's possible. Yes, yes. By being intentional about it and by making sure that you find time in your, and again, it's not going to be something that you're going to be able to do daily, but I would say about once a month, I do sort of a self-assessment of what I was able to accomplish for that particular month. And it it depends on what's happening in, in my life. And that allows me to 
reflect and also readjust for what the next four weeks or the next six weeks will will bring. And that, that is very helpful for me because otherwise you could speed through six months and then recognize these are three things that were really critical to get completed that you didn't because you allowed life and fire drills of being in 2018 at, at Verizon, at, in New York, it, to take over. That's great that you take that time to look back because I think that's something that most of us don't do and we don't even acknowledge what we did accomplish. Yes, yes. And celebrate that, right? Uh, the celebration point is, uh, is actually a good one because I believe that in February, as I mentioned, it was 25 years and uh, a group of the women in my WEN group put together a, a very nice surprise dinner for me to do exactly that, the reflection. And being present at that moment allowed me to really focus on what I was able to accomplish that affected other women, which is really what I'm more interested in, not necessarily what has been accomplished by me for me, but what have I accomplished that has made a difference and has had an effect on whether it's the sort of the personal well-being of someone else or whether it's the career that many of us are, are you know, still, you know, working our way through. And that uh, celebration allowed me to uh, have, have that feedback, which sometimes you, you, you miss. You miss because you're, you're not looking for it because you're, you know, busy getting it done, not thinking about what you did. And so that, uh, that time was very valuable. That's so important. What a wonderful uh, surprise mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. was. Now, you said you talk a lot to younger people in their career. What's advice that you give younger people starting out of, of things that kind of you know now that you wish you would have known when you were first starting your career? Yeah, um, I am very focused on letting younger you know, women and men know that it's really important to use your voice. And I think that there's a tendency to be more introverted or more self-conscious about what it is that you are recommending, what it is that you're sharing, not only from a, a legal business perspective, but also from a, a personal perspective, because uh, that's why I really do appreciate the humanability program and perspective that Verizon is you know, very much embracing because what it tells us is that we want you to be human. We want you to bring your full self to not only make Verizon better, but to make the community at large better. And so that's the type of discussion that I have with, with young people that don't have an idea, don't have a uh, a thought, don't have a suggestion that you sort of keep in your in your mind and not share for fear of people disagreeing with you, for fear of it really not being the absolute correct time, for fear of it being too, you know, aggressive or too forward thinking. Well, that's what we need. We need forward thinking people. We need those who are willing to give up themselves to make not only Verizon better, but also the, the world at large. So that's one of the things. Use your voice. Um, I also say that we each are much more powerful than we actually recognize that we are. And that is something that I see changing with the onslaught of what's going on in this country today. Young people are 
making themselves heard, making themselves seen, um, and are, are not afraid. Uh, so I do tell young folks, don't be afraid. And that's and, and young and old. It doesn't matter. The, the age has nothing to do with fear. The age has nothing to do with your confidence that what you're bringing to the table is, is valuable. And so I, I repeat that message very, very often because it's you have to really believe in yourself before other people are going to believe in you. And, uh, and that's, that's really crucial. I know for a lot of women in our generation, that kind of confidence and that understanding of our own power mm-hmm. came later in life. Yes, yes. And I've been wanting to short circuit that for the younger yes, women. Yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. do you think that's possible? It sounds like you do think it's yes. possible. Yes, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen it. I've absolutely seen it because there's a, this sense of, I mean, there's also the, the concept of hierarchy. And I don't believe in hierarchy. So I encourage young people and, or people in, earlier in their career to send that note to a senior person with your idea. Don't be afraid to go up to a senior vice president and have that conversation. They want to hear from you. And I'm seeing that happening. Uh, people are raising their hands more to do things like presentations. I, I definitely tell uh, women especially to, when you see the request come uh, your way, as far as getting out there and letting people know who you are and what you're capable of, it's, it's very important to do. I also encourage people to be engaged in whatever the activities you're interested in, whether it's in the community, whether it's pro bono services, whether it's taking a role in one of our ERGs. There's so many different ways that you can contribute to making, again, Verizon stronger, making sure that our customers are being cared for as they need to be, and making sure that we're having a, a, a positive influence in the community. Today, it's more important than ever that we make sure that our voices are heard. I have a 17-year-old, and um, when she was 15, we were watching all the things that were going on on CNN and Fox News, because it's important to see all sides and understand what is being shared. So I feel it's, it's it, very crucial for all of us to use our voice and to let people know that this is not okay and that the way in which Washington is behaving or not um, is going to be a challenge for this country and this world for quite some time. So we can't allow this incivility to be the new normal. And so I definitely do coach anyone who is you know, interested in doing something to effectuate change, to get out there and, and be vocal and be visible and be a visionary. I couldn't agree more how this point in history certainly is a time that everyone needs to get involved and not leave governance to a few, but it needs to be, everyone needs to be involved. Another thing that I've talked a lot about with people is the Verizon Credo. Mm -hmm. What does the Verizon Credo mean to you? What has it meant to you in your career? The area that I I focus on, there, there are many different areas in the Credo, which is why it's lived for so many years without, you know, edit and change, because that is truly the way in which Verizon operates. It's, it's sort of the, it flows, the credo flows through the veins of all of our employees. But the section that I spend most of my time implementing and thinking about and, and sharing with others is the one around, around integrity. And 
it sort of brings us a little bit back to a conversation we just had about what's going on in the political environment, which is, um, you know, your word should be your vow. And we're not seeing that. And so when we look at uh, businesses, when we look at uh, families, when we look at children, uh, it's very, very important to be true to yourself and be true to what the models and the, the mores are of talking about Verizon, our, our credo. And so uh, I don't know whether I'm a lawyer because I'm very focused around integrity and fairness or whether because I actually took these assessment tests and they talk about what your you know major attributes are as far as personality traits. And I, I am overvalued with respect to fairness. Um, and so I don't know what's the chicken and the egg situation. I don't know, you know which came first. But I really do believe that it's important for people to believe that you're trustworthy. It's important for you, when I think about my clients and, and how I was able to move up in the organization, it was important that they, if I said I was going to be able to get a document to them or if I was going to be able to be on the call or if I was going to be able to, you know, analyze a, a particular situation at a certain time, I met that deadline. And that is, you know, very easy sort of check. But when you go deeper than that, it really means that I was trustworthy. And so people felt that they can come to me. Uh, and so that the in integrity is, is one of the main areas in the credo that I, uh, that I focus on. Michelle, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. They were running out of time. Are there any things that you wanted to say that you did not get a chance to say? Yeah, um, what, one, one additional thought is that it's important to share of yourself. I believe that oftentimes people feel that uh, if I am too open, if I share too much information, if I communicate too much, it makes me more vulnerable and therefore it will make me seem weak. And I, I have not seen that in my, uh, in my career. Uh, and I, frankly, I believe that the more open and truthful I am, then the more power I seem to create around me and through me. And so I, I, would, I would share that it's, you know, be yourself and share, communicate, and um, allow a little bit of that humanability within. Sounds great. And that's perfectly in line with the Verizon ethos, right? Absolutely, it is. Well, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank and you. And I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to me today. Yes, I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Sally. Thanks for listening to Lifting Up, Lessons from Verizon Women Leaders. Tune in next time for another inspiring story of women leaders forging their paths to success and sharing the lessons they've learned along the way.